Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. David, the host of After Party Pod. And that's a podcast that you chose to download or you were forced to download. It is part of the After Party Group, a company I created, and that includes After Party Chat, which has uh, articles, essays, Q&As, everything you could possibly want about addiction and recovery and mental illness. We get into that too. Now, my guest today is a hilarious comedian. His name is Jesse Joyce. And I'm curious, did that sound like Jeffy Joyce? Because that's a thing that happens solely with the name Jesse, and he has a bit about it, how people will think his name is Jeffy, J-E-F-F-E. Yeah, crazy people. He's not crazy at all. He has been sober a while. He is, what he is, he was a happy drunk. That let the record show. I think this is the first happy drunk, formerly happy drunk, that I've ever had on this podcast. Um, you know, I, I grilled him about it. I looked him up and down. I looked for, you know, denial. I think he really is telling the truth. He was a happy drunk who was destroying his health and his life. He didn't drink for very long, uh, but he got sober. And um, he is... Uh, lifelong comedian, wanted to first be a comedian as a kid, has succeeded and performs all over right now. He And he's New York based, but he is in LA because he is writing and performing on At Midnight, that Chris Hardwick show on Comedy Central. Uh, but he has been on literally everything. He, he's been on comedy Underground with David Tell, uh, he's been a panelist on the History Channel's I Love the 1880s. He hosted Date Night for AMC. He's been on Red Eye on Fox News, which I have a lot as well, but we never crossed paths there. He was a uh, top 20 semifinalist on Last Comic Standing, um, and, and so much more. He has been very deeply involved with those Comedy Central roasts, and he's performed all over literally the world. Uh, what else What else can I tell you about him? Well, he, he tells you some things about himself and we talk about being um, a drunk, being from an alcoholic family and deciding you're not gonna drink because you're from that alcoholic family and then going, fuck it. You know, the alcoholic knows the fuck it's pretty well. And, um, and then needing to get sober fairly quickly. And we also talk about Greg Giraldo, who, who uh, died of this disease, I want to say three years ago. They were very, very close and uh, did a lot of the roast work together. Um, he's a great guy. And 
that's what I don't, I don't need to tell you that. It's you're about to find out for yourself. So let me know what you think of it. You can tweet at me, at Anna B. David. After Party Group also has a Facebook page, which you are welcome to. We encourage you to come there. We love comments. We love questions. We love, we don't love criticism, but I will tell you that I have taken some of the, well, there was really only one terribly negative review and I took it to heart and I um, have shut the F up a lot more in these interviews. Um, yeah, so so that's it. I hope you love it. I hope you keep listening to this. And uh, yeah, here's Jesse Joyce, not Jeffy Joyce. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I used to call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Yeah. Are you still doing said job? Kind of, kind of, not really. I just, I, I'll take you down in a battle for an, an LA versus New York battle. Is my point. Seriously. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know how we do that. I don't know either. I mean, my my information is very specific to the uh, the the I, the comedy perspective. Right. Which the comedy world's good out here. Oh, it's, it's not even close. Flappers it's, is not anything, is what you're telling me. Not like it's not the. Well, Maybe. yeah, the, the spread out nature of the, like there's a geography issue in general. Where Even it's Los like, Angeles, it's not related to comedy. Yeah, ten great clubs that you could do. They're all gettable to within ten minutes of each other because so it's on an eleven mile island in New York. Oh, you're okay. Out here, yeah. And furthermore, everything shuts down at eleven o'clock at night. Whereas in New York, like you can literally the city never sleeps. Start doing spots at six p.m. and finish at two a.m. and hit. You can do five you spots don't need in a to night. Be doing that now, like you're established. Why would yeah, you? Yeah, but I like doing. Like you know, you'd wanna you, you want to. If do five you want to be a master of the clarinet, yeah. it would be in your best interest to practice four times a day rather yeah. than once a day. Yeah. Where this place only affords you one a day at most. You know what I mean? Like two, sometimes, but literally most of the time when you do a spot out here in in L.A. And then you're like, all right, where are we going now? Everybody's like, easy. You just did a spot. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the... so people who come out here and they're like, I want to be a comedian are are uh, are lame or delusional or, or they just don't have all that. the facts. Yeah. Or furthermore, their their ultimate goal is not doing stand up for stand up's sake. They're yeah. comics trying to leverage it into having their own dumb talking head show. You never or, wanted that. Well, I'll do I'll do whatever gets more people to come out and see me do live stand-up. Okay, so that is your It's the Chris goal. Rock mantra of why he does shitty movies right. and whatever else. It's right. to build up his reputation and to the point where he's a household name so people would come and see him live do stand-up, right. which is what he is and does. So you get your joy so, from that. Yeah, I'm a stand-up comic who does other bullshit in order, that, just in to, order to make that blow up. Yeah, exactly, to further can. his stand-up career. Because stand-up is like one of the few... Like endeavors that you have to do extemporaneous shit that has nothing to do with stand up in order for people to give a fuck about your stand up. What? You know Trooper what I mean? writers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have your own TV show or radio, yeah, whatever, like then, yeah, then people will buy your book. Yeah. So, yes, that is similar. I meant as opposed to like acting or yeah. music or yeah. Well, know. but then I guess it is sort of true. I mean, I'm just being argumentative for argumentative sake. Right, sure, but, I like that. But like, when they have to promote something, which they always complain about, you Who? know, 
actors and musicians, oh, right. they have to go and do, like, be interviewed and get those fluff questions. I guess that's not acting or playing music. No, but that's, like, promoting a speci- promoting yeah. their acting. They've already, like specific, yeah, yeah. Like, what I'm talking about is, like, you have to take a role as a douchey neighbor on a dumb sitcom right. t- in order to sell out theaters yeah. doing stand-up, right. which has nothing to do with the other. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's the rare guy, like, the, the odd... Like, uh, you know, Carlin's and Gaffigan's and Brian Regan's and Greg Giraldo's of the world that, like, just did it on the merits of, and Attell. Right. Just doing stand-up, you know? Like, most people, like, even, like, Lewis Black right. had to do that, like, ranty 10-minute thing on The Daily Show before he, like, he'd been doing stand-up for 35 years and nobody gave a shit. Right. Until he did that thing, which is not stand-up. Right. And then all of a sudden people were like, well, uh, what, what's his stand-up like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know yeah. And I guess it's true of Marin with the podcast, too. Like, Yeah, it's not like Cosby was a huge household name before he did the Cosby show, show right, right. you know? Yeah. Which has nothing to do with his stand-up, per se. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So... Like, that's the motive. And I feel like a lot of guys move out here in order to get, like, their dumb head on Chelsea lately and then right. get invited to go out and headline the rest of the country but aren't qualified to do so because they didn't go right. to grad school first and put in the work right. of doing the stand-up. Right. You know Does anybody get good without all that practice or their natural born? No. Really? Like, zero people. Like, like Chappelle was, like, great automatically, but... He's infinitely better now. Like, yeah. you always get better if you continue to grow and write and push the envelope. Yeah. Like, so, like, when I go out on the road and do, like, an hour, like, my favorite, like, uh, half of it is, like, you know, shit that I know works. But right. there's, like, this little ten-minute chunk every night that I, like, can't wait to get to because right. it's, like, the newer shit right. that I get to fuck around with. And then after that, I can kind of theoretically go on autopilot and just close the show out with stuff that I know works. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, okay, it's due to them sometimes. But interesting that kind what? of made me wonder, you know, because like I'm, you know, addiction and maybe the high. Are we talking? On oh, this now? sorry, I, I had, had no idea. I, I just thought we were shooting the shit before the thing, but you were whatever. Just, like willing to just chat I was just, forever about. I totally Jim. was, oh, and then you? it was like it occurred to me. I looked down and there was like a light on, and I was yeah. like, oh, I guess this is the podcast. Like I never. Oh yeah. You know, I thought we're there was gonna be like a cash. theme song oh, or like oh, yeah. a ramp up or it some happens, shit like that. It happens after you leave. Oh, okay, I got yeah, it. So I was like, welcome to the. I thought there was going to be that. No. You think right, I look so like someone fucking, who is capable of doing that? You just like subversively started yeah. recording yeah. the... All right. Well, either way, it's great. Cool. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. It's... You, yeah. I was easing you into it. Right, you didn't well, need any easing into it. No, 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 no. It's fine. I just like... I. It just occurred to me like, hey, yeah. we've been talking for a while. We should probably put this on yeah. the podcast. I don't waste time. And then you were podcasting. Yeah. I don't believe in like... You know, small talk's right. going to go two <laughs> seconds for me and then we're getting to work. <laughs> um, but wait... So, but so addiction, so, so yeah, so the high, I'm just theorizing here, the high of, of having new material, like, you know, I mean, I guess every comic, clearly not every comic, because we just said Jay Leno, um, doesn't, but, you know, lots of comics like the experience of trying out new stuff, but I wonder, you know, because you have to really be in the moment if you're trying right. out new things as opposed to being on autopilot, and I wonder, I don't know if there's any correlation between that and being an addict, I don't know, an alcoholic. I don't know. Are, are you kind of like trying to scratch the surface of like why there are so many alcoholic comedians? Is that what you're kind of? No, I, 
Because there does seem to be an, you know, an outlandish... Who, who argued with me on that? Somebody argued with me on that. They are like, no, there aren't any more than in any other career. It's just written about a lot. I um, don't think that's true at all. Like, I think yeah. there are way more... Well, I think that anybody who pursues a career yeah. that is that is based on needing to get uh, applause in order to actually make a living... Right. Um, and, and is ego and based in the way all these yeah. creative careers are... It's gonna attract. Well, it's an addiction in its own right. Like you know, comedy. Yeah, just sort of getting addicted to the, you know, to the immediacy of getting a laugh and yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, so yeah. so I think I don't know. I, there is a chicken or egg element to it where it's like right. I don't know if people who are attracted to stand up become alcoholics or people who are alcoholics become attracted to stand up, you know, like, yeah, I'm a believer know. in the secondary philosophy that people don't yeah. like. So I'm sober, um, right. you know, a, a little while and right. whatever, 13 years. Um, so, so thank you. Um, and I remember when I first got sober, people were saying, Oh well, yeah. So Hollywood, oof, Hollywood did this to you. And it's like, did what to you made me an addict. And it's like, no, oh, right. If I'd lived in Des Moines on um, a ranch, I, I would think that would have happened too. Well, I feel like, because I do a lot of, I talk, I do a lot of shows and do a lot of talking at rehabs and yeah, stuff as I well. Yeah, I know. And uh, so I kind of try to stay pretty familiar with the uh, sort of current studies and mindset of the premise of addiction and what yeah. it is. And I, it seems like everybody kind of consistently has defined the root cause as 50%. Uh, Genetics and fifty percent environment. I, I, I've never heard the the percentages broken down like that, but yeah, both are certainly factors. And I feel like it's a hundred percent true. Like in you could in my own immediate nuclear family, you can because you know I come from a long line of uh, recovering alcoholics. Like everybody's sober. Oh, but uh, and not oddly enough, my dad is kind of the black sheep of the family by not having Being a problem. Alcoholic, yeah. but every all of his like uh, everybody on his side of the family is or was right. Uh, so anyway, my brother and I have the same genetics and, you know, he immediately during college went into ROTC and is now a, uh, uh, captain in the army Rangers. Right. right? And he is by, he's the furthest thing from an alcoholic. Like he's just like a regimented and we're like really good friends. Like we get along perfectly, but I took that, that exact same age. I started like dicking around as a carnival gypsy in, you know, nightclubs. You know what right, I mean? Like right. traveling America doing shitty one-nighters in bars. So that environment argue. element was there for me and not him. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. But I would still, and there's no way to tell, but I still, I mean, not believe about you, but believe fundamentally that that the alcoholic person has like no control, like chooses the career based on that. Has, would maybe try to be an ROTC, but would get kicked out for drinking, you know? Well, oddly enough, like, I didn't start drinking really until I kind of got, you know, engrossed in the comedy world, uh-huh. you know? So, so what, tell me that. I, I wanted to be a comic. Like, I sit, there's a little newspaper article. It's, like, my favorite thing I own when, uh, all like, my seventh grade class, I think you're, like, 11 then. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But, yeah. So, like, some local bullshit newspaper came and, like, interviewed our class. Oh, to go, like, what do the kids want to be when they get older these days, you know? Right. And, and I said stand-up comic. At 11, and I'm the only guy on that whole list who's doing what he said he was going to do when he's 11. Yeah. Because Wes Van Antrieff is not a fucking astronaut, so I win. But and whoever, I mean the president, somebody said they wanted to be the president. Yeah, sure. and they're not. Yeah, no. yeah. there was a lot of baseball players. Yeah. None of them still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that uh, 
So me wanting to be a comedian was what I wanted to do my whole life, like right. long before sort of yeah. a, an addictive personality developed, per right. se, you know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, so, okay, so so you always wanted to be a comic, and, and <clears throat> um, not a lot of people wanted to be that back then. Like, now, I feel like, right? Everybody wants to be a comedian. Yeah, well, I mean, it was like in the sort of early days, like when comedy was like sort of everywhere, like in, it's called the boom, you know, yeah. like in the When early, was the boom? It's like uh, the early 80s mm-hmm. all the way through like the early 90s, mm-hmm. and then it just completely crashed in the mid, late 90s. That's when it like died off, you know? It did? Oh, totally. Like, yeah, well, I started in 97, 98, and that was like the dead zone, you know? Like nobody, like clubs were closing everywhere, and uh, like, you know, back in the heyday of the boom, there were like two, three clubs in every town, so I'd heard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's what everybody was... Like, you hear these, like, older guys, like, wax philosophically about the fucking glory days days back then. And, you know, when they were, like, paying dudes in piles of blow and shit like that. Right, right. You missed that. Yeah, well, you know, I, yeah. Like, but that was because, if you remember, in that time, there was also, like, it was called the boom because, like, every fucking dumb cable channel had their own five-minute stand-up showcase. You know, like, there was, like, comedy on the road, uh, and then uh, A&E had Evening at the Improv, and then VH1 had... Uh, whatever the one Rosie O'Donnell hosted and MTV had uh, MTV's half hour comedy hour and uh, you know HBO had their own special like everybody was doing that and it oversaturated the market and uh, like because it got real popular real fast and so everybody opened a club in in a town so there was like three clubs in St. Louis and then all of a sudden it showed up on TV everywhere and then everybody was like oh we just watch it on TV like why would we go out Uh, and so all those clubs then it just kind of like it got too big too fast and then it crashed so you know that's kind of the the historical backstory on the boom and then the subsequent crash thereof but so I kind of the real reason I got into it is because my uncle started doing stand up when I was like you know eight years old and I thought it was the fucking coolest thing in the world so do it as a career no 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 like I mean he's still in the arts per se you know like he's a uh He's, he's the, uh, it's an odd sort of middle-aged, he, he's, uh, uh, he does like a lot of voiceover stuff, and then uh-huh. he, um, he's the, what do you call it, like the creative director of Sesame Place, you know what the fuck that is? No. It's it a was... Sesame Street theme park in Philadelphia, right. and he like writes all the shows and like does That's all that. Cool. So he's yeah. still in the creative. Yeah. But for a few years, like when everybody was doing open mic, he went out and did it, because yeah. he was a clown in Ringling for a few years, so he's he went to clown college. Is he's he awesome. Alcohol? He's like. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, 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 recovering, yeah, yeah, yeah. recovering. Yeah. Um, and he's actually one of the first guys I called when I got sober, too, because, you know, I really sort of, like, looked up to him. Yeah. You know, because my dad is, um, he's great. I love my dad. But, like, my dad's really kind of a straight arrow. Right. Would never have set foot in a comedy club if it weren't for the fact that his son does it for a living, you know? Right, right. And, uh, you know, never even went when his brother did it, you know. But so my uncle did it for a few years and then got married and had a kid and, like, had to drop that from the roster of the many creative pursuits. Yes. But... So that combined with it being all over TV was why when I was like 10 years old, I made up my mind that like, I'm being that. Okay, interesting, you know? interesting. And so, and so then, so you, so you raised in the East Coast, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia? In Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. So, yeah. And, um, and then when did like the drinking and all of that start? Uh, oddly enough, it really didn't start, I guess it started when I was like around 20, because I... Uh, That's so late. I only, if to believe, I only had six years of drinking yeah. in my life. and But I ruined, like, it, it 
like the comedy boom, like yeah. exploded immediately and got too big too fast, and I had to shut it down because I almost died when I was twenty six. Like that, so it was a real brief window that yeah. I was actually a drunk. But I I lived in Ireland for a year doing uh, uh, like going to college there and uh, like a junior year abroad thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly, and uh, and that's where it was like, oh, everybody's doing it, like yeah. you know. So uh, I just started going out and get drunk, but. But I always had, like, literally in the back of my head, the reason I didn't drink in high school ever or, you know, early in college, even though I was in a fraternity, mm-hmm. was because of the family history. And right. I would always, like, just regurgitate that to people that, like, well, I have a lot of family, so i got to be careful. And then, you know, I just ended up abandoning that principle. One night at 20, you were like, yeah, well, totally. I'm, were you like, I'm sure I'm fine. Clearly, I don't even drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I kind of knew it was like, when I start this, it's going to, here it goes, you know. But by that time, I was like doing stand-up and, you know, a lot of the guys I looked up to in comedy were also raging drunks. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, here we go. I guess I'm starting the comedy thing, you know. Right, so right. I really did think it kind of went hand in hand. So that's about halfway through college you started at, or when you graduated? Like the, almost, yeah, like three-fourths of the way through college mm-hmm. is when I started drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, you know. graduated? Yeah, but I graduated, and like it really didn't become a problem even until I started, until I got more successful comedically and started going on the road more. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, like I'm out here in South Dakota for a week, I might as well, like what the fuck else am I going to do, you and know? so what would happen? So you so. get to South Dakota, and so you started getting, you started um, being, being able to be like a road comic. Yeah. And you'd get, you'd roll into town. Yeah. And then what, and so you'd just like roll into the bar or, you, or whatever. The yeah, club. it didn't even occur. Like, it was just like what everybody did, you know? Yeah. Like, it's what comics, like, at that level do. You yeah. Know? So it didn't seem that unusual. I mean, where it started to become, like, an issue is, like, when I was, when I would get into a town and I would know the state blue laws, like the liquor laws yeah. in the state yeah. in advance, and I would plan accordingly. Like, yeah. I'd get into Kentucky. And I go like, okay, everything shuts down here at one thirty, so I'm gonna need to go to the liquor store in advance and get a couple of bottles of Jack. Yeah. You know, to sustain me for after the bars close. You know, and then there were times where I didn't do that, like I didn't prepare. You know, yeah. or like Delaware surprised me by shutting down at one. I thought I had another hour to go. Right. You and think. that really fucked me. You know, like in yeah. my dumb. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, so that was kind of like later, and then you know when I was like realizing that I was probably drunk driving seventy percent of the time I was in my car, you know, like right. shit like that, you know. Right. So, and no, were you doing drugs too? No, and it's for the same reason that I started alcohol so late. In it, it's what I would have probably if I hadn't curtailed, if I hadn't gotten gone, sober, gotten sober as young as I did, yeah. because I just inherently always knew that like coke will kill me, you yeah. know, like. And it's not like a moral, you know, right. they're, they're, it's not like I judged anybody who did. It was just literally like, it's why I've never gambled either, you know, because yeah. it's like, I'm terrified of myself. Right. And so it's like, I'm not handling booze so well. I probably shouldn't add blackjack and fucking heroin but, to this. But it's so, it's interesting that you had the self-restraint not to. Well, I think it was just literally a self-preservation mechanism. Yeah. You know, it's like, I didn't drink... This is where I differ with a lot of alcoholics, like, uh, uh, philosophically speaking, because I literally don't have, a, like, a... Rock bottom. Dark, no. Like, I don't have, like, a dark... Like, I didn't drink at anything. I wasn't an angry drunk. Like, I wasn't an upset drunk. Like, I just, like... I drank because it was fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that sounds odd. Like, I get into arguments. Like, the, the girl I date has been sober for a few years, and she can't understand at all 
how like I'm such a sort of happy-go-lucky alcoholic. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know who Greg Giraldo was? Yeah. He was like one of my best friends. Yeah. And we were on the road together for like, and he always said that uh, uh, like you're the only guy I know who does stand up because he got hugged too much as a kid. <laughs> you know, like so yeah. I don't have that sort of like. Trauma. Yeah, I really, I really, what I really latched onto when I first got sober was the, um, the, uh, the, uh, 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 allergy analogy, you know, was like, oh, I get, that makes sense to me because it's just like, my body doesn't process booze the same way it does with other people. I shouldn't, I can't have it anymore. Like, so, so then why did you get sober then? Well, it was absolutely fucking up my life. How? because uh, like, cause I couldn't stop doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I tried a couple times on my own, but not even necessarily out of like... Because that's the thing. is like I never got drunk because I was upset at anything, but what would happen when I was drunk, like, it's just it's sort of, you know, made my life more difficult. Like, you know, what what also really resonated with me is that thing they tell you in, in you kind of when you first get sober that the, the sort of definition of alcoholism is like, well, maybe you're not a... A drug, but why don't you quit drinking and see if your life gets better? Yeah, and that's how you'll know. And yeah. that's exactly what happened with me. So, I had no doubt that I was an alcoholic. Like from the first time I drank, I was like, "Oh, this is clearly the yeah. greatest." Uh, like, it's why I don't trust people who go like, oh, "I just never like the taste of it." You know what I mean? You know those yeah. people like, like I love people who are drunks or people who are sober. But the kind of the people who are like, it's just never. Yeah. It's like I'm just throw my fucking life away because it's that great. Like you really you just don't like you just doesn't <laughs> doesn't taste good to you. Like fuck you. Like yeah, you know what I mean? Like taste. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's coffee, but like I drink it all the time. Like <laughs> what are you t- I smoke cigarettes. Like that's not delicious. But right. I fucking you know what I mean? Like so uh, I don't know. I think I'm kind of just rambling. No, no, but, and that's ramble is what I want. Yeah, you know it is true. I used to be so wary of those people who didn't drink. I'll never forget. I lived in England. I did a junior year abroad in England. Oh, cool! And um, and there was great alcoholism there too. So yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed sure. that a lot. Um, but I remember some guy asked me to go to some dance. They had a lot of dances there, so this guy asked me to go to this dance. Was this I'm- in the forties? Like, like the way <laughs> I'm not a guy that asked old. you to. A- no, I don't think like, but. No, you're not old, but like the sort of wartimey, like inviting no, you to a dance to how, punch they, his card. That's like, what they did in their dance. dances. I mean, maybe they called them like a fucking else. civic, formals? like a community. Maybe they called them formals. Does that make you more comfortable? Okay, <laughs> where there was like an old lady with like a table full of name tags, no. and you go in. No, no, like a big that band, would be so or? nice and old fashioned. But okay, they, I was not drunk. a dance club. I, I was drunk all the time, so we were right. dealing with some very fuzzy memories. Okay, here. sure, but. As far as I recall, these guys would all have, the, you know, it was Cambridge, so they had their, their colleges that they were uh-huh. at, and the college would have a dance. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Right, so you go to a lot of school-sponsored dances. Yes. Gotcha. All right. You know. We did that. Yeah, sure. everybody did that. So, so right. Lots of people. So, but I remember this, you know, and I would go with normal people, to me, who, you know, would get hammered. You know, that's what we did. And yeah. then I remember this, this very nice guy, this very, like, sort of, you know, not the, my type. Right. <laughs> Basically, it was like, oh, come to this dance. I remember we went out to dinner with all he and all of his friends and their dates. Right. And nobody, we are at dinner, and nobody ordered oh, yeah, yeah, alcohol. Yeah. And I just remember being like, these people make me so uncomfortable. Yeah, that was the worst. I don't know yeah. what to do about them. I uh-huh. can't ever be around them again. Yeah. Yeah, or like when I you'd go to a family function and realize like, ah, I got to rein this shit in because, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't want my whatever parents finding out that, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, my parents never noticed them. I don't know. I don't right. know. I mean, they, they did at one point. But right. so, okay, so you were just drinking. You never even tried drugs. No, I never did. I never yeah. tried a single drug. Not even pot. 
No, just out of, like purely out of fear of yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So. And so, and so then, um, your life. How was it destroying your life? What was happening? Uh, just it was like stand up to me was the most important thing in my life, and I kind of you know like you know how like alcoholism ends up sort of destroying everything that mm. you care about the most mm. kind of uh, well it's like it was fine when whatever I broke both of my ankles being a drunk asshole you know like on within six months of each other and then never got them set properly yeah because I just was a drunk it didn't occur to me to go to a hospital like yeah so I just like borrowed a friend's crutches so to this day like my ankles are all fucked up because yeah, that's the thing about ankles like even if you just sprain it once you yeah. once you fuck it up yeah, so... So how do you break two ankles? Not at drunk? the same time. No, I okay. Yeah, but, like, uh, I literally cannot remember how the one happened, but uh, the right one, I passed out on the subway like I did a lot. Yeah. And uh, I woke up, and once again, I was, like, terribly far away from where I needed to be because I'd, I'd slept past my stop. Yeah. And then, come, you know, and so I woke up and saw that I was, like... Because I live in Queens, so the train has to go from Manhattan into Queens all the way to the end of the line then all the way back through Queens all the way back through Manhattan and I was in Brooklyn so yeah. like that's a long yeah. so I was like fuck so I just jumped up but my I, I had been like sitting with the one leg on top of the other so it, it, it was completely asleep and yeah. I just jumped up and, and tried wow. to stand on a sleeping ankle and just completely snapped it just when um, you think it can't get any worse than waking up that far from your stop right make it worse oh and uh, several times twice two times I got my wallet and my oh, yeah. uh, stuff, like my like my possessions, cut out of my pockets, like, like literally, or, or like a knife or yeah. saw or something. Yeah. I don't know what they used, but yeah, like sort of a scalpel. But yeah, they like surgically took my wallet out yeah. of my pants because like my pocket was gone. You know, they just yeah. removed the whole pocket. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, so that happened more than once. You know, and yeah. and so it's like all that's like a nuisance. Mm-hmm. But what would what started to happen was. There's this club that was like really good to me. That was one of the first places that I that like let me headline in Lexington, Kentucky, and I even uh, eventually ended up dating a waitress there for a while. And mm-hmm. It was just like a, it was like a kind of a home club yeah. away from home. It was just like one I got along with really well, and the owner was this great guy. Really liked me, and uh, uh, and uh, oh, and so I came in and and. Like, friends had told me, because they'd been on the schedule in weeks earlier, and they were like, ah, they stocked up on, on you know, bourbon because you were coming to town. And and then it was like, as soon as I walked in the door, it was like, uh-oh, Jesse's hide the liquor. So it was like, my people weren't, my reputation was, uh, as a drunk, was starting to supersede my reputation as a comedian. Yeah. And that's where it, like, started to become a problem. And, uh... But they were endorsing it, it sounds like. Like, they were into Well, it. they were, like, they, they were joking around about it, but it was, like, that really bugged the shit out of me that, like, like when my name would start to come up in conversations in the comedy world, people were like, man, that guy can fucking drink. Like, and it's like, that's not, I, I don't want that at all. Like, yeah. I want it to be exclusively on the merits of my ability to be funny. Yeah. And so that was, like, really becoming a problem. And there's another anecdote that uh, uh, my friend, uh, you know who Christian Finnegan is? I know who He's he is, He's a comic yeah. friend of mine. And um, he and I, uh, I asked him to come and open for me in a college years ago in Utica, New York. So we go up there, and this is right after he did that sketch on Chappelle show where he was the one white guy in the all black real world. Uh-huh. So, yeah, funny. yeah, so it was it was like a super popular sketch on that show, and it was like two like a month after it happened. So that really kind of like just 
skyrocketed his profile for a little while. Mm-hmm. So he was literally like, getting recognized all, like, we're driving up there together. And, like, we go to Denny's and the fucking waitress, you know, is like, oh, my God, are you the, you know, and then, like, the gas station. And it's like, hey, that's the guy from the, you know, and, like, and he's, like, my buddy. And he's opening for me, you know, and, like, all of a right. sudden, like, he's, like, vastly more popular all of a sudden than right, I am. Right, And, um, you know, so we do the show and, like, all the college kids are, like, freaking the fuck out because the guy who's doing 10 minutes in front of me is, like, this giant famous, famous guy yeah. from Comedy Central. And, uh, and then... Uh, you know, so that was kind of like a little bit fucking in my head. Yeah. And then we, we go to the hotel and we go to this bar. We, we ask the guy, hey, like, where's like a shitty Irish bar in town? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's like oh, Mullins or whatever. It's sort of right down the street. To the best of my knowledge, I've never been to Utica. This is like both of our first trip to Utica, mm-hmm. right? Like we're both like, hey, this is a neat little town. We literally, I swear to God, this is a true story. We walk into this fucking Irish bar that like just some guy at a front desk at a hotel gave us directions to. So we're like, I guess this is the plate. And we walk in and the bartender immediately goes, Jesse. And I'm like, what the fuck? And like two of the old, like sad, like sea captain drunks who were sitting there are like, Jesse. Like everybody's, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? Because like all day long, Christian's been recognized by everybody for being famous. And like, I'm like, what is happening? And over the next 10 minutes, they have to convince me that I spent Thanksgiving dinner with them in this fucking bar one time, like five years before. I have literally no recollection of this happening. Until they point to... A picture on the wall? Yeah, it's my business card, which had my face on it, and I signed, I autographed it. Like, my sloppy... But it's definitely my signature, and it's been hanging on the bar, behind the bar, the whole time. So it's like, that was... That's another... Yet another in the column of, like, all right, this is fucked up. Like, my good... Like, one of my best friends here has just spent this entire trip being, like, lauded for his terrific performance on something. Right. And, like, nobody fucking knows who I am. And then I show up in, like, one shitty Irish bar in one town that I apparently was in one time in my life that I don't even remember. And I'm, like, the most famous drunk in the town. You know what I mean? This is, like, shit like that. And not to, not to like, emphasize the wrong things, but you must have been super fun that night. Because for them to remember you so well. I guess, yeah. Like, see, that's what I'm talking about, though. Is like, I was in fun drunk. Like, like a lot of my friends were just kind of generally... The way I've always said it is, like, most of my guy friends were, like, generally disappointed... At first, when I quit drinking, because they right. were like, ah, he was nobody, so much fun. Yeah, nobody. But their wives were thrilled, you know, because, like, I was the dipshit who, like, kept them out till yeah. six in the morning. Yeah. And uh, and as it turns out, what I'm fascinated to discover is that, like, me sleeping till noon and me staying out till four in the morning had literally nothing to do with my alcoholism. Like, I was sure that that was the yeah. reason. You still do but it? Absolutely. It just turns out I'm that guy. Like, because when I first got sober, you know, it's kind of a fun, you get to, like, kind of create your own identity mm-hmm. you know you're just yeah. like I can be whoever I want it's like once you wrap your mind around like oh woe well, is me I can't drink anymore when you start to like just kind of barely scratch the surface on like the positives of it yeah. you're like I can reinvent myself and be the best version of whoever I want to be yeah and so like in that that awkward figuring myself out I was like maybe I'm the kind of guy who gets up at eight in the morning and reads the paper and has yeah. fruit and goes jogging. And I was like, absolutely not. I did that for like three days and I was like, I'm not that guy. So yeah. it turns out like I still like, I'm just. You still have alcoholic hours. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I have the hours of an alcoholic. Yeah. See, that's interesting. So. I, I was the one who like, it turned out underneath that party girl was like the most, you know, I'm up at seven. Oh, are you? Oh, I don't want to be. Oh, okay. I, I don't want to be, but I am up. Right. And I am listening to NPR. Right, you know, right, right, right. And I'm doing all this stuff. Yeah, I had no idea what I was like. Right. You know, but so so you're not that different, it sounds like. No, I just, I feel like I'm a guy who was going, who was dying of cancer and I just got the tumor 
under control. You right, know what I mean? Like right. I, I got the tumor removed, but I still will always, as long as I kind of regularly am vigilant about my cancer, it's not going to come back. You know so, what I mean? So yeah. So what do you? How are you regularly vigilant about your sobriety? Well, one of the main things, like you know, well, this helps, like yeah. talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because I'm pretty open about it, I actually have a lot of people yeah. randomly, and I'm sure you do too. Like on Facebook and you know just yeah. whatever, or like just directly to my website, we'll just like write me with some alcoholic question. Yeah. You know, and I always take the time to get back to them and talk to them. You know, and yeah. I, I don't ever just like copy and paste a form right. response. Like I really do respond to them because I don't respond usually to people who write me dumb shit. But but that is something I really take yeah. seriously and will absolutely write them back. And and then also the performing at rehabs and yeah. So you know, how did you get hooked like into that? that? <laughs> um, I had been really good friends with this guy who's like a sober goo. Like he's like the sort of king of sober comedy, right? Who's that? He's really cornered the market on. The, his name's Mark Lundholm. He's I don't even know who he's great. Like, and there was two guys. There was like an East Coast and a West Coast guy. There's a guy who died. My, Mike DiStefano. Yeah, and everybody. Loved and he him. was awesome. And he yeah. was a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Also, uh, Mike would basically do like it was. It's like you would either get. Mark or Mike to do this gig, right. you know, like the AA national conventions or whatever. Right. Where, you know, you can't have one of them every year. So yeah, like yeah. one of those two guys did it. And I got in the position where like both of them liked me and I became friends with both of them. And uh, uh, so it's like when they would get priced out of a show when they're like, I'm not doing it for that. Right. They would throw my name to them. They right. would go like, but this kid will, you yeah. know, like. So I would do it for whatever price was not good enough for the other yeah. two guys. Yeah. So that's kind of how I jockeyed myself into that position. And, uh, and then Mark being like a, just sort of a very magnanimous, he had this idea to do a four man theater tour when that was a really popular, there was a time in like the early two thousands where there was fucking like, or like the mid two thousand where there was like a dozen or two dozen of those like four man theater tours, you know, yeah, it was yeah. like the Dagos of comedy and it was just like four Italian guys or whatever. Like there was just like. Every dumb hook you could possibly have. Yeah. You know, it was all inspired by that Blue Collar tour. Okay. Which was simultaneously inspired by the Kings of Comedy, which the was Kings the of black Comedy, that's dudes. what I was thinking of, yes. So it was like the four black guys in purple suits did a thing, then the Hicks did a thing with the... You right. Know, the, and then, so that just blew it open where it's like, oh, I guess everybody has to do a four-man, you know, so it was like, whatever, like the fucking angry cat lady lesbians of comedy, and there was right. like four of them, and so we did one called the Comedy Addiction Tour, and it was f- four sober comics... Who were the other ones? Uh, the one of them is an older guy who's like a friend of uh, of uh, Mark's named Kurt Matthews. He's a really funny guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a good guy, uh, and like he's of that generation. Yeah. And then I like the newer generation of guys. So like I brought on Pat Dixon, who's a really good friend of mine, mm-hmm. who's a comic from New York, who's great. And so the four of us did it together, and we we did about like you know two three dozen theaters. We did it for like two years, like touring around the country, and that's kind of what got my name out to yeah. that world. And there are actually bookers who specifically book recovery comedy gigs. I you know? noticed that. I mean, so. I really only noticed that through look, like poking around about you. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people, or I mean, lots of people, and I, I'm not like being an asshole that I've never heard of are like yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, that's the thing. It's like I don't want to. I don't exclusively do, and yeah. I don't ever want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just too pigeonholy anyway. Yeah. You know, and uh, it would get boring. It totally would, yeah. It, and I like it as, like, it's about 10% of my annual work Yeah, is doing, like, you know, a handful of, you know, recovery centers or rehabs yeah. or whatever, like, you know. 
like a benefit for some you know like local chapter of something and I'll go and do that um, and the nice thing too is addicts are easy labs I mean just go yeah. to a meeting well you know what's interesting is sometimes they're prudes up front you know, uh, sometimes up front, they're like a little like, hmm, that's not okay. Until you kind of remind them like, you know, like, didn't you just suck dick and have busted? You know, like that kind of, and right. then they're like, oh yeah, you're right. We're all fucking full of shit. Right. And then they're amazing, you know? Yeah. But sometimes you do have to push through that like, all right, that sanctimonious horse shit doesn't work. Yeah. With me. Yeah. You know, so. And you don't have to worry about anybody getting unruly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, they're really, and they're great. And the best part is a lot of times, especially at the rehabs, is like they bring the people who are currently in the rehab. Yeah. And when we're doing those theater shows, they'd like bus in like different rehabs from the area. Like when we did Omaha, they'd bring in like from like 15 different rehabs, like people on buses. So that was like a giant percentage of the crowd where these like newly 20-day sober people. Who like laughing would change everything. Yeah, totally. Who it's like, because yeah, like nobody like, not to be, you know, cheesy about it, but like nobody quits drinking on a high note. So yeah. like they're not in a good place. Yeah. And then they see us who were like sober for a while, who were like having a good time with it, making jokes about it. Yeah. And like we would get like a just like a line of hugs after the show, and it was right. like, it's it was one of the few times. It is remains one of the few times in comedy where it doesn't feel like an exclusively selfish pursuit. You know, where it's not like I like getting laughs. Where it's like, oh, this is kind of a thing that seems to be cool for other people too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I do know. So what? Um. So and so, how did, did you just go cold turkey? You didn't go into rehab. Um, right? No, I uh uh I did go. I I I I feel like I don't know. Like I've still never figured out the the policy. Oh, that. But I do. And sometimes I ask, so I ask people ahead of time and I just forgot to with you. Yeah, yeah. No, and I don't mind because I, this is, I went, I think AA is like a terrific organization. Yeah. And I am really glad that, and that's where I will often send people. Yes. When they write to me. Yes. I say like, that's the way, that's the great way to do it. You and know? then they write, so. oh, no, 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 I'd never do that. that. That's what they say to me. Yeah, but I think it like, because that's, you know, like, I've been to a number of shitty ones, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. But I've been to some fucking amazing ones, too. Yeah. And it's just... And I always feel like... Because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not that bad, or whatever. I know, I know. The thing I always notice is, like, every time you go to one of those, if you do, uh, that uh, you're always, like, right in the middle. You know what I mean? Like, you can listen to half the room and go, like, well, I never fucking put my baby in a microwave. I don't belong in this room. Right. But then the other half of the room, you're like, really, you pussy? That's your story? You know? And, like... <laughs> You're like, I did way worse shit than that. So, like, every time I've ever gone to, like, I always feel like, oh, okay, like, I absolutely belong here because I'm, like, right in the middle of everybody's darkness, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. So. Do you not relate to the darkness, though? No, no, no. I mean, I, like, but I, I kind of, it's not a defense. Like, I just kind of, uh, I remember the, I remember personally, like, the actual feelings of it and stuff, but I'm always able to kind of spin it into a, anecdotally kind of you know mm -hmm. like which is just I don't know like I, I I've been considered to be a good storyteller and I just like I yeah. I so you know I'm not like cheapening the experience but uh, you know I'm kind of I embrace him I'm kind of proud of the I wouldn't change any of the fucked up things that I did you know yeah. like I kind of wear it as like a badge of honor because it's right. like oh there was that little window of time where I was a fucking pirate and right. it's great that I, like, it kind of, it's it's a real accomplishment, I feel like, you know? Yeah. So. But, so, but you were never depressed. Like, you don't seem like a guy who kind of struggles with the depression or, no. or things like that. No, I never do. Uh, 
I'm trying to quit smoking right now, which yeah. is really difficult. Like, and it's like, it's just because I'm being a pussy about it. Like, I know I can just do the exact same thing I did with booze, with cigarettes, but I just don't want to because it's like the last yeah. sort of destructive behavior I have and I kind of want to cling to it. Oh, you'll find you know? other ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, so I, I'm hey, sure. I, yeah, so. I quit when I was nine months sober. I smoked two packs a day. So I was yeah. dedicated. Right. And I quit through the 12-step program. And I only oh, okay. went to that 12-step program because this woman told me that a guy I had a crush on went to it. Oh, there you go. And I, and I was I smoked all day, right. you know, before. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'll totally, you know, scope that out, that right. guy. And then that guy and I went to coffee. And uh-huh. so I didn't smoke. I was, you know, after a nicotine anonymous meeting, I figured yeah, I should yeah, smoke. Yeah. And I talked to him for like four hours. And then I was like, wait, I made it, you know, seven hours, six yeah, hours. Yeah. And I never smoked again. Wow. It was horrible. Right. For three weeks. And then it was like the easiest thing I've ever done. Right. So, that's a beautiful, like, that's how I met your mother story. Did you guys end up No, together? he told me no? during that four-hour conversation, he told me um, that he had hooked up with his cousin, and I was really grossed out by oh, that. Oh, wow. That's... And then, but it was good, distracting from my nicotine cravings. Sure. And then he ended up, he ended up, I haven't seen him in years, but he ended up uh, dating one of my sponsees. I was very over it by that right. point. Okay. So, yeah. So you're telling me I should quit smoking by fucking my cousins? Is that what the... Uh... <laughs> I don't know that he quit. Oh, okay. You just have to have a crush on someone who it has had sex with their cousin. Right. And okay. um, you can be a success story like me. <laughs> um, well, so... Uh, I, oh, oh is that the reason I brought it up is because my doctor just gave me a prescription for Chantix. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I feel like that's cheating, but I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to yeah. go through the work of quitting smoking. Like, I'd rather, like, if I could just take a pill and quit smoking, that's great. It's still going to be hard. Well, but then I started researching it. Oh. And, like, there's so many stories of people. And if it works for other people, great. But there's so many stories that I read that it's like, I was a perfectly happy person oh, and shit. now I'm clinically depressed. Oh, like, shit. And that's the thing. Like, that is what I like. It's one of the things I like most about myself is my sort of generally easygoing disposition. Yeah. And the fact that I do not feel like I have a real like like I'm a I feel like I'm kind of still a pirate, but I don't have like a darkness. Yeah. Like a brooding. So lucky. You know? And uh and so I threw it away, the the prescription, because I was like, I don't want to fucking Yeah. Like the la- like I need my brain. I don't yeah, want to fuck with it. Yeah, let's not fuck with it if it's if it's working in a happy way, which most right. brains don't seem to. Yeah. So I'd rather have lung cancer than fucking clinical depression. You don't you need chance to quit smoking. So, but yeah, it's but yeah, yeah, that's the other thing is like I can literally quit if I fucking man up and just do it. By the way, while you're so. in LA the nicotine I have no idea what nicotine anonymous meetings are like in New York right if they even have them but the ones here are not bad I mean they're full of crazy people but like they're not bad yeah okay I don't know I mean yeah I, and I should you know yeah so it's just you feel yeah whatever whatever right. it was it was definitely the it's one of those things it's weird because I like used it as a crutch to quit smoking and it really helped or, I mean to quit drinking you know oh, like yeah but how long did you go did you quit drinking I forgot to ask you how long ago? Yeah. Uh, it, almost nine years. Like, it'll be nine years in June. So. You don't need a crutch anymore, really. I know. That's the bullshit. It's yeah. like, I definitely, I really sincerely feel like I did oh, for yeah. the first year. Yeah. Because I, like, double the amount I smoked. You yeah. Because, mm-hmm. and, like, and also, like, if it was, I was at a comedy club and it would be uncomfortable, I could just go out and have a cigarette and clear my head. And it was great. Like, I think it's the best. I'm thrilled. But, yeah. But it's horseshit now. Like, I don't need it. I feel like I kind of, like, still do. But that's a... And now I've, like, it's... It seeped its way into like latching onto other. Th- so it's like I feel like I, when I like I'm trying to write jokes, I I feel like I need it 
to oh, yeah, I get help that. me write jokes, and that's a bullshit thing, it too. It is such a lie. I remember, because I, you know, was right, I was trying to write screenplays when I got sober, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can never write without cocaine. And, right. then, and then I'm like, that's kind of a problem, so I could never write without red wine. Right. And then I got sober, and I'm like, oh, I can never write without cigarettes. Right. And and then I realized, I mean, one of the things I realized that first week of quitting was, you know, I, I said, oh, I could never, you know, drive. Imagine driving without right. cigarettes. Imagine imagine being nervous to go interview someone and then and imagine having these uncomfortable conversations and and then I was just like, well, why am I so anxious about all of this stuff yeah. that I think I've convinced myself I need something. Yeah. You know, which is It's an unnatural thing and Yeah. It is like Pandora's box like I'm so envious of people who never bothered to smoke. I know. Because now that I know how great it is... Yeah. The idea of waiting for a person is just impossible to me. Yeah. Like, like you have regular a phone. People, now they have phones. Yeah, but I, I like... You can... You but can, I do both. Like, like right. it's really severe. Like, I will catch myself chewing gum and a toothpick and a cigarette yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know? And dicking with my phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you need a lot. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's not because I'm trying to fill some void per se, but it's just like I'm just fucking. A, I, I guess I am is what I'm doing. I guess I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows? It's like I, I think like I don't know. You know, I, I think high energy people right. need a lot of distractions. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I sit in meetings and I needlepoint my Instagram photos. <laughs> That's a true thing. Okay. You wait. What I understand? You mean you actually do like needlepoint, like not like Little Instagram. House on the Prairie style? Little House on the Prairie style. But what I do is I there's a website that I send the photos to, and they put them on a needlepoint thing. This is actually not oh. the point. The point is that I cannot just sit there. Right. I, this is I, a fascinating I, thing to do. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. No. But that's it, fascinating. But because I, I can't sit there otherwise. Right. I go too crazy. I I'll, I just be on my phone the whole time. Maybe I'll whittle. That seems like a cool. <laughs> Right, that's kind of a dude thing to do, to like sit in a rocking chair and just fucking you sharpen do, a stick. You could do right? that. You could do that. And um, I've seen people do all kinds of. I mean, I've definitely seen drawers, yeah. artists drawing things in meetings. Right. You know, um, there's definitely knitters. Okay. No, no, no. I know. I'm not saying it's weird. I just yeah. It, I it, just, it doesn't fit my character. To yeah, yeah. I mean, but as you said, when you're sober, you just never know who you are. Mm-hmm. Whittler and not Well, that's the thing is I think I'm pretty confident in who I am at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I know myself well enough to go like, yeah, I'm not going to need a point. But, yeah. But I'm thrilled it works for you. That's great. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it keeps me, keeps me there. Right. You know? Um, so, oh, and so did your career uh, change as a result? Of yeah, like immediately. Show? Okay. Like that's kind of part of that whole thing that, and and I, I have told other people that. One of my really good comedy friends, like one of my best friends in, in comedy and I we've known each other for 15 years and he's just been a drunk forever and he just got sober like a year and a half ago and it's so fun to I kind of like you know de facto sponsor him you know and it's just such an interesting thing to see him go through the you know like all this shit that like I was told that like I swear to God your life gets better and like if you quit if you just take care of that if you just manage the quitting drinking somehow things fall into place yeah and it's this mysterious I can't explain how it works, but something's looking out for you, and the universe yeah. just kind of gives you, you know, and, and that totally happened for me, and I told him the same, like, I swear to God, I don't know why, and it's totally happened for him, too, Yeah. and I got to watch it happen recently, where it's like, ah, neat, like, that is a cool, Yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, like, within six months of me, I got a DUI, and uh, which, that was it. That was, like, the big, where it was like, I mean, that wasn't the whole story, but, which I'm happy to tell you if you care, but... Yeah. Um, 
but basically it came down to like I almost died and then I got a DUI shortly thereafter when you say uh, almost died what does that mean I had drank my immune system away entirely, you know, like, and I was just, uh, you know, chain smoking and just sustaining myself almost exclusively on bourbon and, mm-hmm. you know, just whatever fast food I'd find or, right. uh, you know, one of my moves when I was like savvy enough to realize like I probably shouldn't leave the hotel now that I'm already here, like drive around to yeah. find food. I would run around the floors in the hotel and scavenge off the, you know, the people would yeah. leave it out on the, yeah. you know, and you I'd make little sandwiches stuff, out of, yeah, like I'd find toast yeah. from one floor and I'd be like, fuck yes, and I would like go and gather it up with other, you know, Eggs, sit there and like nibble on it at yeah. people's door like a squirrel, you right. know, and one time a guy opened the door and I was just like, I was caught, you know, like, right. you know, at his door. Um, so, uh, so whatever, like I was not eating well at all and, you know, it was like not a priority and I was, you know, just chain smoking and I uh, was drinking probably five, six bottles of you know, bourbon a week, and right. and uh, and and so I got uh, double pneumonia, and uh, well, I got like the flu, and then it very quickly slid to double pneumonia, which means like both of your lungs. So you don't normally when you have pneumonia, you have a backup. You have another lung. But yeah, so my lungs were like seventy percent filled with fluid. Yeah. So I was basically drowning in my own lung. Like I collapsed on stage, and I had to be taken to an emergency room. Oh, and then while I was in the hospital dealing with all that, I got uh, pleurisy, which is worse. Which is like where this like something like like a hard casing forms around your lungs, so you can't expand yeah. them. So it hurts like a bitch every time you yeah. It's like taking a balloon and dipping it in like glue or something, so that you know the the balloon. It's very hard to like expand it. Yeah. That's what was happening. So like it just fucking hurts to breathe, and I really thought I was gonna die. And then it turns out there was something else wrong, and I got appendicitis, and they had to remove my appendix in an emergency uh, appendicitis operation, and. Like, the way they described it was, like, it was so ready to explode. It was, like, fucking lethal weapon that they cut it out of me and threw it up in the air and it blew up. You know, like... <laughs> was that and, related to drinking or... Well, not really. I just think it was yeah. generally related to me not being a healthy person yeah. anymore. And uh, right at that exact time, my grandmother, who was, like, my biggest supporter, like, one of my best friends... Well, not best friend, but, you know I mean? She's, yeah. like, an awesome grandmother. Yeah. And she'd been sober for 30 years. And she used to give me all the information I needed... Because she could tell I was a drunk, but she never called me out on it. Right. And would just, like, generally just give me, uh, you know, like, the vague sense of what sobriety was all about. Like, planted little seeds. And she died during that time. Mm. And so that was devastating. Combined with the, you know, and I remember thinking that I had destroyed my liver. That's why I thought it happened, because I was just so fucked up. And I asked the doctor, like, is it my liver? And he, like, showed me on the chart. He's like, no, your liver's fine. Like, it's just totally... And so I remember thinking, but it was like because I was 26, you know? Yeah. And so I remember thinking that, like, oh, here this whole time, I thought I had a drinking problem. Like, that was my logic, was like, right. I guess I haven't even really been drinking that much. Like, when I get out of here, I should really start drinking. That was, like, my thought. Just because your liver was okay. Yeah, because, like, because I really expected that I'd ruin my liver. Yeah. And when I didn't, it was like, oh, great, let's keep doing that then. So let's go get a DUI. Yeah, so it was like I was out of the hospital for a week. I still had, like, the surgery scars and everything. And I got, I just got, you know, I, I was drunk the whole time that week as soon as I got out of the hospital because I kind of couldn't drink for like two weeks while I was, three weeks while I was in the hospital. So when I finally got out, uh, I just went on this rampage where I just was drunk the whole week and just driving home from a shitty nonsensical gig in Jersey. I got pulled over for the fifth time in my career, pulled over for a DUI. I had gotten out of the previous four. Mm. So I kind of thought to myself, well, like, I'll just get out. And yeah. then he arrested me. And apparently I thanked him at the time. Like, it says in the police report that I thanked him for arresting me. 
Mm-hmm. And I still call that guy on, on every June 5th and thank him for you arresting do? me. Yeah, so because he totally... Because I remember thinking all the other cops were like, that guy's awesome because he let me go. Yeah. But that guy didn't help me. You know? Yeah. The guy who was like not putting up with my bullshit. Yeah. Like he's the guy who changed my life really, you know? Yeah. And so then... Do you just, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oddly enough, I wasn't even that drunk. Like, yeah. it is inexcusable, but... Right. I mean, not that drunk for me, you know? Yeah. And I remember vaguely, like, thinking to myself, like, I'm pretty smashed. I should fucking get some food so I can make this drive home. And I pulled into, a like, a like an Exxon station, and there was, like, I was just going to get, like, a fucking shitty gas station sandwich yeah. or, like, a hot dog or something yeah. awful. And uh, I saw two cops in there, and I was like, all right, be cool, because there's cops here. Yeah. And I really thought I had been cool. And, and then they followed me for 15 miles. Because I didn't do anything wrong. Because, like, I was, I dr- drunk drove all the time. So yeah, I yeah. convinced myself, like, I'm a really good drunk driver. Right. But they'd seen me in the store, so they knew I was drunk. And they were just waiting for you to fuck it up. And I didn't, because they, but they need probable cause. And this right. is what I think is so awesome about the cop. I flicked a cigarette out the window, and he busted me for littering. So the ticket yeah. I got was for littering. Yeah. And then they dropped that. But, like, that's how he got me, which I was like, that's kind of why I thanked him. Because it was like, he didn't let it go. Yeah. And, like, didn't let me get away with it. Yeah. And so then the next day, I called some friends who I knew were sober, and they took me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That was so. it. So June 6th? June 5th, I 2005. June 6th. No okay. shit. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. But it's not June 5th. And Incidentally, also, my grandmother's sober dates, her 30, it would have been her 33rd sober anniversary, Jesus. was uh, May 5th. 1975, and wow. mine was June 5th, 2005. So it was literally oh, 30 nice. years and a month to the... Or no, yeah, it was 30 years. It would have been exactly 30 years and one month to the day. And so, like, I kind of, like, I know it's, like, a cheesy, but I really feel like she kind of helped orchestrate that to happen, you know, in the... Especially in the decent way that it did. Like, yeah. I didn't hurt anybody, and I didn't hurt myself. The cop didn't... They didn't even take a mugshot of me, which is, like, unheard of. Yeah. Like, they just didn't. You know, so, like, there's no mugshot floating around with my right. dumb face making a right. stupid drunk. You know, like, right. they didn't lock the door to the cell. They just basically, like, left it open. They just, they made me take my belt off so I didn't hang myself. But, like, they were, like, genuinely, like, decent to me because I, like, I guess because I, yeah, because yeah, I seemed like I was generally remorseful. And the cop, you know, testified on my behalf at the hearing. And because I was terrified I was going to lose my driver's license and that was going to fuck my bullshit comedy career at the time. Yeah. Because I didn't have a lot going on. So that was the straw that broke the camel's back was, yeah. like... I almost died, and furthermore, if I lose my license, I can't do stand. I can't make a living. Yeah. So that's why I quit drinking. So because yeah. it was really threatening my comedy career. Yeah, it's so interesting. Threatening your life wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But threatening your career was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, and now you're out here. We're. To- I swear, we're totally wrapping up. This has been so awesome. Oh, that's fine. I'm, um, I'm having a good time. I really am a fucking chatty asshole. Sorry. No, <laughs> we want chatty assholes. Oh, okay. Because this is a podcast. All right. Right? I've just been talking nonstop. That's what you're supposed to do okay. when someone's interviewing. Yeah, but you're, but you, like, I haven't even really given you the opportunity to ask, anything. ask questions. That's the best. That's oh, really? the best. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, and I get to, like, sort of be like, oh, I've created such a calming environment. It's <laughs> just going to monologue. I'm kidding. You're Plus, not. you can, this ed- is a you, you have, you have uh, oh, creative have control to edit the shit true, out of this. But I have no ability to edit. So oh, okay. So it's just happen. going on. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, this is, what the, this is what the audience right. wants, man. <laughs> Okay. So, and so you're out here, so you live in New York City. Yeah. And you're very happy about that. I'm thrilled to live in New York, yeah. And, yeah, but great. you're out here uh, for the month? No, till September. Till I'm September. Not, yeah, this is a, 
That was why it was such a big decision to do, like, to take this contract because it's a six month gig. Wow. So yeah. And so you're working on Midnight. I'm writing show. for writing for and uh, being on the show oh, at Midnight. Oh, fun. So okay. That was kind of the tipping point. Yeah. Was that they you know agreed to have me be sort of a recurring guest? So yeah. Are you uh, on it every night or? No, 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 no. Like I, I, I I'm gonna be on it a few, like a handful of times mm-hmm. in the coming months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, but it's a fun gig to work on. Yeah. And so I only ever come out here when I have like a, a, a specific project, like a writing gig kind of a thing, or some sort of a TV appearance kind of a deal. Not bad. So yeah. What if in September you realize you love it here? That's not going to happen, okay. you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like I know myself well enough to know that like, Again, you I'm know, a New York person. whittling at meetings and yeah, loving yeah. LA, who knows? Yeah. I mean, this is the best it's been in the number of times I've come out here for any length of time. That's what I'm know? saying. Uh, but still, like... I just generally, it's not, you, you can you have to admit, it's a completely different vibe, you know? A hundred percent. And I just, like, I do not connect with that vibe, you know? Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that there is the New York versus LA rivalry is, is silly. I'm the one constantly talking about it. Well, but in general, I would say that Angelinos <laughs> love New York and New Yorkers hate Angelina. Well, I'll tell you, it, even more specifically, as, as a microcosm of comedy, I use that as the... As a defining example, all the time, when I meet like young comics in you know the middle of the country who are contemplating a move to either coast, yeah, because it is really a 50-50. You know, if you don't know any better, it's like, oh, which one should I? Yeah. And so I always point out like, what depends on like if stand up is your focus or not. Uh, and I always say like, if it is, uh, here's the defining example: is that every time for years I've been coming out here and just doing shows and whatever else, and even when like I had nothing going on in my career. And nobody fucking knew who I was. If I came out and did a show out here, and I mentioned to the guy who was opening, like who was emceeing, and they go like, "Oh, what do you want me to say?" And I would go like, "I oh, just tell him I'm a comic visiting from New York." There would be an automatic air of credibility that was given to me simply because of that statement, where yeah. they would go like, "Oh, okay," and it kind of expect me to be uh, good, right? Really. That is never reciprocated when, one time yeah. the opposite way. Yeah. When an LA comic comes to New York, if no, it, it, they don't you know, mention it in the intro. No, but if they do, if they are, if they are naive enough to not know that and go like, "Hey, I'm just in town. I'm visiting from LA for a week," it's like, "Well, I'm sure you're going to fuck the stool for ten minutes and do an impression of a shitty Filipino neighbor that you have." You know what I mean? Like that's what you're going to audition for a sitcom on this fucking comedy stage. Is what right. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. Never we have, translates. We have so many good ones here. But I guess they, they do, started there. But a lot of them, started the vast majority of the good ones did start in New York. Yeah. There are exceptions. And I'm friends with a lot of the guys out here who are terrific. Yeah. I'm not saying there were not good comics in yeah. LA. There are great comics in LA. Almost none of them, there were almost no good new like open micers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't get good out here. Yeah. You come out here to capitalize on the fact that you are good. Yeah. Good. You know? Well said. Thank you. Um, so, okay, and so if people want to find you, say on, they can find you on the Twitter. Yeah, just Jesse Joyce, yeah. J-E-S-S-E-J-O-Y-C-E, and the website is just Jesse Joyce. Jesse Joyce. And, you just um, Google me. I'm they can to Google. Google you. Right. And and this recovery comedy, if they want to, let's say they want to book you and stuff like that, yeah. that's all on your site, right? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I have a booking agency that I go through called recoverycomedy.com, mm-hmm. and the guy, Rich, is terrific, and he he's out in San Francisco, and he runs this empire of... Booking those things. So it's like either you can contact me directly and I forward it on to him or you can contact him and he'll, 
you know, hook me up with the whatever, you know, so that's how I ordinate. He's like my agent specifically for those kind of games. Yeah, you know? that's cool. Yeah. And so is there anything else that I didn't ask you or you didn't ramble about? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, um, regarding addiction, well, alcoholism? I had a New York, L.A. point. that I was. Oh, you can make that if you, you really <laughs> need to, I think. <laughs> oh, well, by the way, since we're uh, before when we're talking about where they can find, I'm going to be on this new show with David Tell called <gasps> Comedy Underground with David Tell. Awesome. That's on Comedy Central, and I'm on the May 31st episode, and I helped him write all the jokes for the rest of it. So, oh, good. So good. I worked on the series, but I'm on the finale. Yeah. See, yeah. I like how you're doing so that. The, yeah. Speaking of guys who like to drink, remember his show? Attell? Yeah. Yeah. No, Attell and Geraldo were the two guys that I looked up to the most. And at the time, thought to myself, that's the kind of comic, like, because I just loved, I thought they were so great. And then, you know, I kind of was like, always like, well, they're getting away with it, you know? Right. And the reality is neither of them have gotten away with it. You know, yeah. like, like you know, Dave is, you know, cut that out a while ago and Greg is deceased because yeah. of it. So I kind of, it made me really realize, like, no one gets away with it. you like, you might sort of look at other people and go like, well, look at Colin, Colin Farrell seems to fucking do okay and he's, he's a drunk, but he's like, sober. he's, yeah, exactly. You know what Keith I mean? Keith like, Richards. Yeah, Keith Richards is the exception, but he's like a cockroach. Like, right. Keith Richards Jeff is Benson. like going to survive whatever. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. He might have, I don't know what it's like, you know, there might be a dark place that, you know what I mean? I like, so. I don't know. So there are exceptions. I guess. Yeah. I mean, extremely, so. very, very few. Like George they, Burns smoked till he was like alien. 97 or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. yeah, I know that they're... And that's the thing that'll keep you smoking is like, well, my grandpa lived to be 109 and he... Yeah, you, know, like, you never can bullshit. do that. No. Yeah, so... Uh, so anyway. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess we never really... Oddly enough, we never really talked about the my sort of relationship with Geraldo, which is... Yeah. Sort of a big factor in my sobriety too, but we can do that. Let's no, let's next one. when you come or back. If you but, wanna... but I, you know, I went to the tribute show. Were you in that? <laughs> that was here in LA. Yeah, yeah, I was on it. Yeah. You were on so, it. I was. So we might have met then because this guy. I, I hosted it actually. Yeah, I was the host. I brought <laughs> everybody on. Asshole that doesn't remember oh, that's all right. anything. Yeah. But I was. I told him. a couple because I used to write with him on the roasts all the time. Like I wrote a lot of his yeah, stuff for the roasts. We were a partnership. Yeah. And uh, so I told a few of the jokes that didn't make it onto the air that were roast jokes that we wrote. You know, you. Yeah. Do you remember that? I did. Apparently, I I, I don't. Okay. And I it doesn't matter. I wasn't it's fine. drinking. All right. Um, but but here's here's why because it was sort of a stressful night. There's, there was this guy Joe Schrank who was really good friends. Joe is a very good friend of mine. Okay. I love so Joe. So I was the editor of The Fix, that website that he helped start. Yes. And so he wanted me there, like, interviewing people, you know, and he had obviously... There was an interview with me in that. About <laughs> Greg. I was interviewed for that. Did you? Would you have been the one who did the interview? Well, do you remember me? No, but you were a voice on the phone. Oh, no, 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 because I did it in person. Oh, okay. No, we, don't, we wrote about Greg a few times. All right. I definitely was part of an interview. I would with like that. you to be as much to blame for okay. the, us just realizing this. Plus, and then also the show. I was on stage the whole I time. It was a very packed theater. It was a it very was not packed theater. On me uh, to have recognized you. Very from good point. But I was I was like backstage interviewing different people. All um, right. Yeah, and then I would come back out, huh. and there was stress involved because it was work. You right. Know? Sure. Huh. Okay. I also did the one in New York too. There was I wasn't the big there. One in New York, I so. do remember right. that there was one there. Right. But but Greg Geraldo like was an inspiration to get sober. No, Greg and I uh, uh, we'd gotten drunk together a couple of times and got along pretty well. And I, I really thought 
he was kind of like my sort of Mickey Mantle, you know, like he was yeah. like the guy I thought was like the greatest guy who did the, played the game, you know, like, so I really looked up to him as a younger comic before I even really got to know him, and I got to get drunk with him a few times, and I was like, ah, neat, that was fun, uh, and then coincidentally enough, uh, we had the same manager, which was strategic, I kind of was like, mm-hmm. who reps Greg, and like, I'd like to kind of, because I'd like to sort yeah. of have his sort of career arc, uh, so, uh, anyway, the point is, like, after about being with the manager for about a year, literally, coincidentally, out of the blue sky, Greg and I uh, hit rock bottom within about, like, a week of each other. We both got sober at, like, the exact same time. And uh, so the manager was like, hey, you know what? You guys can keep each other out of trouble. Why don't you just go on the road together and, like, Jesse can open for you. And then that way, you guys will... So I kind of, like, we're sort of like each other's sober companion in a way. Yeah, that and... could have gone so horribly awry. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but uh, well, and it kind of did in, in the way that, you know, obviously what happened with him, yeah. but, I mean, it really worked for me, because it was like, what a cool opportunity yeah. this is, and, and then just like, you know, sort of after a few gigs, we really kind of like, sort of had a lot in common, and we ended up just sort of becoming really good friends, and then, you know, it just sort of blossomed into like, he liked, you know, the jokes I was writing, so like, he asked me to help him with the roast, and then that turned into a successful thing, so like, then we kind of made that an official part of our sort of hanging out, and then... And then it's like the friendship had to evolve after he kind of like relapsed a few times where it was like, okay, it's not contingent at all on yeah. our sobriety, you know, and I was always sort of trying to be as encouraging as I could, but, you know, not having any sort of professional experience with that. I didn't really know how to handle that per se, Yeah. you know, and so, you know, so it was like one of those things where it's like we were really close. Like we talked every day on the phone or every two days. In, until he would go off the rails, and then I wouldn't hear from him for three weeks, and I'd be like, oh, okay, that's probably what happened. And then, yeah. you know, sure enough, he'd get come back in the fold, and, you know, Except we'd have a good time, time again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, and, it, like, as it went on, we toured together for maybe four years, I think, five, yeah. something. And, you know, like, kind of toward the tail end of that, he was off the rails a lot, and uh, he'd started dating this chick who I called Yoko because she was fucking awful, and she mm-hmm. was like, uh, uh, you know, really had this kind of, didn't understand addiction and had this fucked up mindset about it and, you know, kind of was like kind of encouraging like, why don't you try, you know, mushrooms instead? Those are, you know, like organic or whatever horseshit, you know, like, but I was like trying to explain to her the fundamentals of like, no, 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 it's like you can't, none of that. like, you just, you can't just substitute it for something or whatever. So, uh, so there was that combined with uh, the fact that like, you know, my career started going better so I couldn't, you know, open for him all the time. So, you know, tech, that club where it happened, the the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, he and I had done that club like a dozen times together. And uh, and then just like, so I happened to have a gig in Montreal that week. I was headlining my own club. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, like I don't think, I, in no way do I think, like that, it would have happened eventually if he didn't fucking smarten up. Yeah. But I kind of feel like, like it wouldn't have happened that weekend if I had been mm. working with him that weekend. You know what I mean? Does that make you feel guilty? No, because it's like, I knew it's not my fault. It's his fault, you know, like, and I had a lot, I did have a lot of anger toward him, which is difficult because he was like an older brother to me. So it was like a simultaneous, like, sort of like love and respect and admiration, but like also being just really mad at how it went down, Mm -hmm. you know, and he had three kids and who I still, you know, hang out with and keep in touch with and stuff. Yeah. You know, so it was just like kind of fucked up, especially because it's like, it's such an underwhelming exit, you know, and yeah. And I know that club so well, and it's like, yeah, that fucking place, like, we did that, like, you know, like, I have vivid memories of us just doing it and driving home, and it's like, that's how it should have gone, you know, like. And he died at the club? No, he, we died in the hotel. Right of the, after. But, 
but that club is close enough to New York City that I would drive us down, yeah. and then afterwards we would drive back to the city yeah. at night, yeah. like after the shows. So, like in theory, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to get in trouble. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. So, uh, so whatever. Like, but like I said, like I know that it would have happened anyway if he didn't wrap his head around it, and he had a lot of opportunities to wrap his head around it, and he just never got it because I feel like he was like kind of too smart for his own good. Like, yeah. he really like. He could, like, quote to you, like, pages of the book, like, and the page number, you know? Like, right. You're like, well, you know, Jess, it says on page 45. And he would, like, fucking just read it. Like, he was reading it to you, but he wasn't, it wasn't in front of him. Yeah. Like, he had, like... Photographic memory. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yet he couldn't retain any of it. You yeah, know what I mean? Or he couldn't apply it to it. Apply life. it. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was kind of, like, a frustrating paradox to, like, he could talk circles around you about right. sobriety. Like, he was... He understood far more about it than I did. And it's like, well, a lot of good that does you because I've stayed sober and somehow you fucking have not. So, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so weird. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't, like, it's not guilt per se, but I just, I do feel like it's it's weird because I feel like it would have been different, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway. Is this a depressing note to end on? No, 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 not at all. Like, I'm glad, like, it's important that everybody fucking knows who he is. You know, yeah, like, yeah. he literally is, in my opinion, the best guy who ever did it. Yeah. And, and you're, not you know, the, you're not the only person I've heard say that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and, you know, it was just, it's a shame because it's like that thing we were talking about at the beginning, how you have to do some other bullshit for people to give a fuck about your stand-up. Yeah. You know, like, he was just kind of starting to get to the place where, like, you know, he had just hosted last, or, I mean, uh, been a judge on Last Comic and so, like, I think that was, like, you know, kind of one of the bigger avenues he'd, he'd had to, a, you know, like, Mainstream. a large audience yeah. like that. You know, that wasn't just the sort of demographic of Comedy Central. It was, like, a far broader... Right. You know, so I feel like things were really starting to work out for him, you know? Uh, so, you know, so I just think it's important that, like, he keeps being talked about. You know? Yeah. So, you know, and I feel, like, privileged to have had the opportunity to fucking, you know kind of have had him in my life at that sort of really instrumental and crucial time in my life and I feel like it also really taught me a very valuable lesson about sobriety because there's the you know the thing they they, the way they they sort of abstractly talk about that but it's not abstract it's very blunt the way they're like ah it'll you'll kill you you know like you'll die like if you go out you'll die you know you might yeah and it's like yeah okay I guess but I don't see how like it's a vague yeah. You know, it's like, well, I guess maybe I crash my car or I'd fall down the stairs or maybe I drink myself to death. I don't know. Like, but, right. but, you know, I know people who relapse and don't die, but you will, you know? And yeah, it really eventually. smacked me in the face with like, oh, fuck, I can't, like, I couldn't fuck around with this if I wanted to. Yeah. You know, yeah. to have just watched him kind of go down that road. Yeah. A terrible yeah. way to learn that lesson, but. Yeah. But, you know, it was, I think, like also kind of another sort of a nice life lesson that yeah. I was taught by him. In a fucked up way. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesse. Yeah. Or Jeffy, as I've heard you say, <laughs> say that people <laughs> sometimes call you. People is, on the phone. It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's, I. I have. <clears throat> I've. Uh, I. When I lived with a bunch of girls, I remember dating a guy named Jesse, and and somebody's like Jeffy called. Did he say that? Really? Yes. That happened. You're not the only Jesse. It's happened. I've had other Jessies come up to me and go like, "Thank you." That yeah, fucking... it's a weird thing because it's insane because no adult person calls himself Jeffy. Like, well, it doesn't seem I'm, to it's clearly a man's voice. I mean, there aren't other names that would be so. How could an S and an F sound so similar? They oddly, I mean, I get they oddly do on the phone. Yeah. However, it's like 
wouldn't you just sort of, it's like, I kind of maybe think I misheard that. Like, because it's like, I've never heard of a grown-up named Jeffy. In fact, the only Jeffy in history is the little fucking shitty kid from the Family Circus cartoon. However, there are several Jessies. Like, adult yeah. men, Je- there is uh, fucking Jesse, the father of David from the Bible. There is fucking Uncle Jesse, Jesse from Ventura. Dukes of Hazard. There is Jesse Ventura. Jesse there Jackson. is Uncle Jesse from Full House. There are two Uncle Jessies. Yeah, Jesse Jack. There are grown men named Jesse. Yeah. Like, wouldn't your brain assume, like, oh, maybe but I made that doesn't. fucked up? They're so, con- that's what's weird. They're, They're convinced that it's Jeffy. Yeah. Every time I check into a hotel, like, not every time, but I, enough times, like, maybe one out of seven, eight, yeah. the fucking thing is printed out with Jeffy on my hotel. <laughs> Do they spell it J E F F E? Even most insanely, a lot of them spell it J E F F E. Like, yeah. as though it was yeah. the two S's in Jesse. Yeah. That's not even how you spell Jeffy. Like, it's like, do you think I'm a fucking Nigerian prince? What kind of insane name is, like... Maybe they do. Jeffrey, Why does it Jeffy, them? like, what? Okay, but we have anyway, to stop. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I mean, keep it's fucking fabulous, but we do have to stop. Um, this has been a delight. I thank yeah. you so much for Absolutely. coming to do this. It's been fun. Thank you. He was good. He was funny, right? You love him. He's a very likable guy. I hope that ending wasn't too depressing for you. Um, it wasn't for me. And uh, yeah, keep listening. Uh, keep keep telling us what you think of this podcast. And I just love to hear from you. So I'll see you next time. I don't mean see. Talk to you next time. <laughs>